Okay, hello everyone, anyone, if there is anyone out there who still listens. I am writing, I'm not reading, I'm not writing. I am reading and writing for other media and doing things on other ventures and being a little bit more biased than I am in this podcast. Um, Well, not really podcast, I guess this is just a reflectional space and if people want to listen to it by all means do if you don't switch me off now I don't really mind but I wanted to reflect quickly not quickly this is not a quick reflection um on the war in Tigray in Ethiopia the impending all-out civil national national civil war and the fact that the East European Defence Force with the Fano Militia, which is an ethnically based and ethnically um, su- demanding ethnic, ethnic superiority group, have based, and the Eritrean army have sieged Tigray, cut off Western parts, and how the Western world is asking for the Tigrayan Defence Force to not go to attack Abu Ahmed in Addis Ababa and get to seek justice, legal justice for the war crimes that have been committed against the Tigrayan people over the last year. And, um, you know, cease fire and just return back to Tigray, but without returning the homes of hundreds of thousands of Tigrayans who have been displaced because of the annexing, the illegal annexing of Western Tigray back into the Gondarian circle, which was only given to them during a very brief period of time um, underneath the Haile Selassie era. There is no denying that there were different, um, you know, principalities, municipalities, like there are principalities around Tigray and, and um, Amhara. What is now considered Amhara region was not considered Amhara region. Prior to the 1991 Ethiopian conf- um, constitution and and formation of the EPRDF so I want to when I discuss things I do kind of expect you to go and look it up and read up a little bit more if I haven't if I haven't covered bases yet and I've discussed many times about the imperialism or the nationalism of Ethiopia over the course of the last year I have learned a lot more about the Oromo people and their struggle with this uh, so-called Neftenia and I have also discovered just recently more about the Southern Nations and Nationalities, so the Walaita, the Sadama, um, and I presume it will be it will go into all of the other nations and nationalities that were included in Menelik's the second expansionism project. So I just want to drop back a little bit. Uh, what's happening in Tigray? What happened in Tigray was November 4th, there a war started. There are very conflicting information and ideas about how it started. Um, from the Tigray side, they say that troops had been entering through Tigray uh, from the southern borders for a long time, that they had witnessed um, Eritrean armaments, you know, lining up along the border or getting ready to be placed. And they had also arrested militia that had inter- like had entered into Tigray over you know the six six to seven months before the war actually commenced, and that was this Amhara Fano militia, and perhaps even just some other some you know Amhara police or something. So 
they say that the seizure had already started and in many cases it really did in in for example the roadblock there was road blockades from Ampara region through Tigray for a long time basically since Abiy Ahmed came in and this was never corrected um, by the federal government and this was never acknowledged really as a problem uh, that Tigrayans couldn't get to Tigray from Addis Ababa from the center point through Tigray everybody had to be diverted by um, diverted by Afar and when those road blockades were lifted or you know the um, Tigrayans were able to remove them and uh, skirmishes I'm sure happened um, and the roads were open then the shifter basically the they're, they're called shifter which is basically old style militia would not allow buses through now this isn't a secret um, anybody who was traveling from Addis Ababa to to Makala um, or Tigray knew that there was a risk. And so tra traveling by road for at least a good six months was extremely dangerous um, for anyone going to Makala. So this is justification, I guess, for the Tigrayan um, People's Liberation Front, who was the leading government of Tigray. We've gone through the election process before. I guess that is um, a legitimate reason for them to start you know, strengthening their defense forces which is in Ethiopia, every single region was allowed to have its own really strong defence force, police force, but on top of it, a defence force. Like whether that is a, that was perhaps a, um, I think in hindsight, it could have gone either ways um, when that was allowed to, to be written into the constitution. But regardless, they were allowed to defend their territory. So I think they, they are legitimate claims that, you know, Tigrayan people were already being targeted because of the political differences between the TPLF and Prosperity Party, which I deem the Prosperity Party's entire rule is unconstitutional. I am not a constitutional lawyer. I do listen to constitutional lawyers, Ethiopian constitutional lawyers, and they have deemed this also um, unconstitutional. I've read the constitution. It's not really hard to figure out. And if you collect enough support in the House of Representatives, and the House of Federation, you are going to have um, legality to with, with do anything. If your if your party members next to you are your best friends, or are in alliance with you, or have got some good payout, or you know, I mean, gaslighted to love Abiy Ahmed and, and his vision, and the Amhara elites' vision in Amhara region, and you know, the Ethiopian elites with inside of Ethiopia, um, Addis Ababa. So. Um, it's it's easy for them to justify that what they're doing is constitutional because you know the whole House of Federation or the whole House of Representatives has perhaps voted on on a movement. But the thing is that entire house is by completely biased and has the same mandate to destroy Tigray. <coughs> now, this is all really relevant in how what the future of Tigray is. There is an article out by Alex DeWall and he is a um, professor in this area in the Horn of Africa. Now I haven't read it yet because I like to play this game to see if I can predict the same things as the professors in any way, shape or form. And I think you'll notice some of the things that I have said in the past in these older episodes back, back dating to 2020 is very similar to now when I have done more research and, and found more scholars into the area. I've said very similar things, so I like that. It's, a, it's a, like ego boost for me, and everybody should play that game themselves. When you're building up your intellect around a subject, see see how much you can learn without actually learning from the professors. That's that's 
it's more about the critical thinking and how much information you can digest and, and you know, put it all back together. Anyway, <coughs> Alex DeWile's piece is um, what's next for Ethiopia. Now, given the seizure on Tigray is still happening, and, and by siege, I don't just mean humanitarian aid. It's quite often just referred to as humanitarian aid. But there is a complete blockade on electricity, on um, water supplies, on banking supplies. Literally, banks are unable to operate. Um, so electricity, banking, telephone, telephone communications. Any, any means of contact outside of Tigray is very limited. It's only allowed by those who have satellite, um, satellite phones and satellite internet services, such as Getacho Reda, the spokesperson for the TPLF or the official Tigrayan government. So he, he's, he has it, but do many other people? No. Are journalists still being able to work with inside Tigray? Yes. Is, is information coming out through Tigray media sources? Yes. And I would assume that's by the use of satellite dishes. Um, Tigray has a good network of, well, they're creating a network of satellite TV. So perhaps that's how we're getting information. I'm sure that can be confirmed. But basically, people are starving to death. Um, the economy has halted. There is no electricity. Everybody is, everybody before this war was already, you know, quite impoverished. It's not, I may love Tigray, but I'm, ne I'm not going to lie. It's not the most beautiful, um, beautifully modern society like um society yes but, but i love that part about it but um you know environment and so people were already well under living standards of what we would consider acceptable in the west there is very few westerners that i think would be able to go live in tigray as a tigrayan um even in makala the capital city so those people are even worse off than they were before um I'm not sure about school, whether school has been able to go, but they are obviously no longer, you know, being recognised under the national curriculum. So senior students will not be getting, you know, their, their senior levels finished. Um, the university is unfunctioning because of the lack of power. People have had to return home. Students have had to return home. So Tigray by no means is is fixed. And regardless of whatever, Abiy Ahmed's unilateral cease, humanitarian ceasefire, which was in June, which was after he suffered a massive defeat, it doesn't again take a genius or a, you know, somebody paid by the TPLF to figure out that, you know, it looks it looks close to 10,000 prisoners of war were walked through um, the streets of Makala and and then Abiy Ahmed all of a sudden, you know, said, I, I, I have a, humanita a unilateral humanitarian ceasefire. Well, bro, anybody would look at that and say, you just lost, like that's it, and and that's just instead of humility and saying yes, we lost, or raising the white flag, he's gone like a bat out of hell, and he has gone around and collected more troops. These troops were sent through Amhara region and Afar region. The Tigray Defence Force has been defending themselves in those regions against those troops advancing into Tigray, and many people from Amhara and Afar region are furious about this. And it's a very contested and very conflicting area because there is so much false information from the Abiyama government. There is no media coverage at all of these conflicts. Um, when the media coverage is allowed, it is, you know, designated to only certain people within inside the um, with inside the region. So they don't really have free freelance media, um, international media or local media. So the local media is completely controlled and dictated by the Abiyaman Prosperity Party government. 
even even there was RMO Media um, Network is you know the OMN. They they supported the whole Caro movement, which was the downfall of the EPRDF essentially, and and the inbringing of Abiy Ahmed. But it was to do with helping the lives of RMO people, and it and it's failed miserably. They haven't mentioned anything about the Grey War. They they have been completely silent on so many things, and and they have been accused of being paid by the Prosperity Party. And I thought this was ridiculous until. Um, you know, people started to explain to me that no, even members of the, you know, Tigrayan media have been offered money from Abiyama to silence themselves. And thank God, many of our great leaders in Tigray have not done that. So, sorry, a little coffee break. Um, so, yeah, this one is a little bit more biased, I guess, because Tigray is in war. <laughs> Tigray has been besieged. Tigray has been surrounded. So... Given the background that I said, Abiy Ahmed's entire House of Federation, House of Representatives, are all handpicked, are all loyalists to him. They have declared their loyalty. And this goes back to the Naftanya Gabar system inside of Ethiopia under Menelik. I, I quickly touched on this. And and I've, only, I've always learned about these Naftanyas. I've heard about them before. I didn't know what Naftanya meant. Uh, it was basically soldiers who were sent to towns and were... Um, were, were governing land areas where basically farmers were extorted, their farms were extorted, they no longer had, you know, there wasn't really ownership of farm or land down in the south and they were trying to implement the new Ethiopian formation of land ownership um, and all of that was, all of those um, farmers were basically slaves, endangered labourers, serfs, however you want to put it. I wouldn't say perhaps slaves, but I think they were allowed to make some money off the stock. They just had to pay a very hefty tax to these Neftenia groups or these Neftenia soldiers. And they, those Neftenia soldiers were of Ethiopian descent. Um, whether they were forced converts, they became converts. But essentially, they were from I. They were from the the, the north of Ethiopia. I believe there was probably some Tigrayans involved. But there was the majority of this North Shua elite, this Shuan area of mixed people. And we've talked about mixed Ethiopians before and the identity crisis that they pose. So to try and predict what is next for Ethiopia, you need to try and look. You definitely need to look at the history. I think I've done that many times. I've, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm still trying to learn. And like I said, I haven't learned from the professors yet. So I'm still trying to you know, think and piece things through. And, I, and this, this discussion now is okay. Now I'm going to move into what's next. Well, given that this Neftenya ideology of um, create and, and this Neftenya ideology was backed by the state creation and the state formation of Ethiopia. Ethiopia itself was not a state, um, especially to the size that it was. Man that was part of Manalik's whole entire, you know, divide and conquer. And people assume, uh, uh, call him a colonizer. And in all, for all intents and purposes, I believe he was to the south, definitely a colonizer. And even to the north, um, when we discuss the Neftenya and we discuss the or the state formation of Ethiopia, a lot of people always reject what's happened to Tigray, but not just to Tigray, to people inside of um, what is now the Amhara region. So the Agal, the Kamet, people that were and were not minority groups have now ceased to exist as minority groups because part of what I understand is that the Neftenya culture wasn't so large up the top. Um, it was basically just 
bloodshed of the ruling person or the governor of that area and you know a new Menelik person was put in place so I think they were taking some of the land ownership you know culture and um in, like ways of land ownership from the north and then transplanting that down to the south but that's a very conflicting culture to the way the southerners all lived and therefore their people became became servants of these neftenia the neftenia gaba system I think I'm saying, I'm not sure if I'm saying it. And of course, there was people in these farming, you know, environments that would then decide with the Neftenia and say that, yes, okay, they would, you know, easily submit to being Ethiopian, not really knowing what Ethiopian is and learning Amharic language. And then they were able to, I guess, create they they were then able to create tyranny over the, the locals and, you know, they became they became the superior person in, in their society. So um, all of this is extremely relevant for what's next because there are people with this state formation, state building ideology with this Ethiopian, um, Ethiopia first and Amharic language first ideology. A massive proportion of those are in the diaspora, in DC, online, we see it constantly, but there is also a very large section in Addis Ababa. So, I've been um, arguing lately on my social media, not arguing, but discussing and, and saying that perhaps the Addis Ababa, so there is, there is this formation of Addis Ababa, it's the capital city of what is Ethiopia. It was one of these garrison towns where these Neftenia ruled over the Oromo people, it was previously called Finfinne. Um, Oromo farmers were, were the pro, like predominant land occupiers and Menelik and his wife really liked it so it became a town and it became Addis Ababa and I mean this is pretty natural formation but however what's happened is many of these many of these Neftenias settled there and but and so these soldiers settled there they mixed with locals they married you know local women um, they brought white women from you know Tigray or southern regions and they all under the name of Ethiopia created this Ethiopianness and this Ethiopian identity so Quite often, um, people from Addis Ababa will say, I'm just Ethiopian, because in their eyes, really, truly, they are. Their families for at least three or four generations are Ethiopian. They were part of this garrison setup. Um, yes, they may have different ethnicities with inside of them, but the one thing that all of their, their ancestors, well, not all of their ancestors, we can't exactly talk on that, but that their ancestors have agreed upon is to be Ethiopian and not Oromo, for example. So a lot of Oromo people, well, you know, ethnically Oromo or genetically Oromo now are um, living inside of Addis Ababa as, as Ethiopians. Uh, there is a huge subject of Gorage people and I had just joked about the Goragi being Neftenia a while ago, um, but a study that I read yesterday was just, it, it proved to me, yes, there was a huge subset of these Goragi people because they were originally Semitic but living in the southern regions who very quickly soaked up this Neftenia and this Ethiopian ideology and moved from their, their hinterlands and into Addis Ababa and have created this whole Ethiopianness. So um, for them as well, like they are mainly Ethiopian now so we have a situation where Ethiopians of pure Ethiopianness which is not pure by any means it is a mixture an admixture a a formation nation um, and essentially people in now an identity crisis are running the elite circles of the parliament 
And so in their eyes, keeping Ethiopia together as a whole is their entire identity. So, so splitting that apart is a rip to their soul and it's a ripped, it's a rupture to their whole existence as a human in their eyes because they have nowhere else to go. Addis Ababa is their home. Ethiopia is the name it's called, like, you know, their, their nation and nationality. So I can understand very um, deeply or not deeply. But yeah, no, I can understand it. It must be really deeply and painful for them to hear people like me question it. And it must be really deeply painful for them to question it from a political level and to try and justify what's happening. So my first thing first is should anything happen, the entire the entire Fano or Amhara elite that have expanded into Tigray need to be removed. The Eritrean Defence Force needs to be removed from Tigray. Addis, um, the politicians in Ethiopia, in the ruling elite right now, regardless of their state, um, their, their position, need to all surrender. And by surrender, I mean remove themselves from posts and face justice. There is nothing in what Abiy Ahmed has done that can say that he deserves to continue leading this country. He has committed an extremely heinous act of civil and international war on the people of Tigray. And this is just Tigray. In Oromia itself, they have suffered a tremendous amount. And many Westerners would look at this and say, oh, this is no different to the EPRDF. This is extremely different. The EPRDF had, did, yes, have issues with um, liberation fronts, i.e. the Oromo Liberation Front or the Ogadian Liberation Front that wanted to separate from this Ethiopianness. They wanted to do that right back in 1991. They weren't allowed. And for, you know, the, the 30 years of the EPRDF, 30, 27, 28, whatever, the media, you know, the Ethiopian media has this catchphrase, 27 years. Whatever um, was done during that time, a lot of people who were members of these these fronts or suspected members were jailed, imprisoned. Somali region, they were tortured. This is not the government of the Ethiopia that's done this. This is a Somali government, perhaps at the instruction of the Ethiopian government. I'm not sure. But so people that had already, people that had established that they wanted to continue um, this, liberation, this liberation fight were ousted. And they had a lot of grievances with the EPRDF. Now, most of them were allowed to return under Abby's um, guard. And at the start, I thought that was bad. Oh, my God, they're going to destroy Ethiopia, blah, 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 blah. But I did not realize that what Abby was doing was fomenting and concreting this Ethiopianness over over other nations and nationalities. But I don't think he's come in with the wrong intent to do that. He has, you know, promised democracy, has promised a whole lot of things and Power's gotten to his head, his ego's gotten to his head, his dream that his mummy said he's going to be an emperor has gotten to his head, and he's just like, anybody who threatens this Ethiopian idea is to be gone. Um, the OLF, the Oromo Liberation Front, separated into the Oromo Liberation Army and the Oromo Liberation Front. So the Oromo Liberation Front was the political arm, the Oromo Liberation Army separated themselves, said, we don't have anything to do with politics, we're going to set ourselves up in the bush just in case this lunatic turns into a lunatic, and, and he did. Um, command posts were put in place. They, they didn't go up to fight anywhere. They just went to settle. They were invited back to Ethiopia, but they were told that they could not fight. And they did not want to fight, but they were ostracized and basically forced out of Addis Ababa and, and into Walega region. So from there, they'd been hiding, and then Ethiopian National Defense Force forces, militia forces, all came to attack them many times, and they have 
managed to free quite a, a bit of land of Wollega and and regain regain some power and control. So one of the other acts of Abiy Ahmed was everybody, every political leader um, in each region was replaced with a prosperity party person. So like I said, everybody has been handpicked and put into their positions by him. And this is all prior to the June 2021 elections. And so he has neftenurized this entire population. The only people they had to vote for in those June 2021 elections were the prosperity parties because anybody who else was a po- opponent, like opposing him, were were jailed. And there are there are reports of this. It's unfortunately not in, in English media so much, but right throughout Ethiopian media, there is a lot of reports of these, um, of these jailings of political uh, opposition. So first things first. What's next in Ethiopia is that all of these political elite who were assigned to this prosperity party and who have overseen criminal activities inside of Ethiopia, inside of Tigray, inside of Oromia, all need to be brought to justice. That's first things first. Um, After that, could that happen? That is the aim of the Liberation Front. So nine, nine key Liberation Fronts have joined forces and signed a pact that they would form some kind of transitional government period um whereby that is what's happened that is what will happen they these people will seek just they will seek justice and and justice will be exacted the political prisoners will all be released that's first things first this is what will happen if Addis Ababa gets taken by these liberation forces from then on a, a transitional government will form and from there my prediction is that it could go either way. It it cannot be a ethnically um, based federational system. What well, sorry, an ethnically dominated um, eth- um, federal transitional government. I think from the Tigrayan perspective, they're probably just trying to seek justice for what's happened to their people and reparations for all of the looting and the money stolen from their state government and their their government organisations, as well as as um, different businesses owned by Tigrayans and Tigrayan elites and Tigrayan, oh, I've forgotten the name of it. There's, it's called Effort and it's a, it's, it's not a co-op. It's basically a publicly owned comp- company and all of their assets have been seized as well as, um, their actual finances. So that will, that will happen from the Tigrayan side. Will all of this descend into chaos? Will Ethiopia go into a civil war? There is a very big chance that should Abiy continue to push back and not cease fire at, well, and not raise the white flag, yes. Um, this will be a very bloody mess and it's not necessarily going to be a bloody mess of Oromo on Oromo or, you know, Tigrayans on Tigrayans. Um, it may be, there may be issues between the Somali and Afar people, you know, that may be part of the civil unrest, um, the civil, you know, war, but it will mainly be a liberation war. I, I don't know whether we're going to call this a civil war. I think it would be a liberation war. And that war is primarily against the Ethiopian National Defence Force. And it's extremely weak. And what is Abiy has done in the last last few months is he has just kidnapped basically children or previously to the 
um, about January 2020, his his leaders went around into he, each capital city or each city and asked youth if they needed work. If they need needed work, they would sign up with the government and their work has now been given to them as Ethiopian National Defence Force. And we know this because the Tigrayan Defence Force has captured thousands upon thousands of them, interviewed them. They are, they are seen in publicly explaining what's happened to them. Children as young as 15 literally taken from schools and put on buses, said that they're going to become police or something and they are put into an army uniform, given very little training, sent to the battlefield. When they try to run, um, Amhara special forces or and Amhara militia are behind them shooting them in the back. They have no choice. So this will be a liberation war and a civil war on the front of the Amhara people and the Amhara um, state. And unfortunately, it's their elite who have found partnership with these Ethiopian elite inside of um, Addis Ababa that have joined together and said that this war must continue. Now, why do the Amhara elite do that? That is because the Amhara elite, many of them are from Addis Ababa, I would assume, but also because the biggest mistake of Melissanawi was allowing the Amhara state to actually form underneath the name of the Amhara state because Amharic was supposed to be just a centralizing language. Not It was a centralizing language. It was not an identity group. It got hijacked into an identity group for about, you know, 700 years and a small identity, a small nation was formed from these Amhara people who just spoke Amharic, but they were pre- predominantly indigenously Agal people Oromo people, they were from, you know, many, many regions and they, they converted and, you know, said, no, we're just Amhara people. So um, it's given much more legitimacy to this Amhara, this, this Amhara dominating um, claims, which was, which has been continued on inside the Amhara state and many smaller, well, now smaller minorities who were the majority, especially the Agao and the Kements are, are being targeted by these Amhara militias and special forces to submit them back to being Amhara. And it's really sad, like it really, the the situation in Amhara region is probably one of the saddest and most volatile um, areas of the whole country, I would say, because they are not, they they are, so there's this Ethiopian identity that's trying to form, but so is there's this Amhara identity. So they very much share a similar ideology in the capital of Ngondor and Bahadar as they do in Addis Ababa which is to, you know, is basically state formation and identity formation, nationality formation. I'm sorry, I've got the hiccups a little bit. So um, what's next is if Abi and his men and the leaders of Amhara State do not um, surrender, the war will continue. And the war, like I said, I don't think is literally going to be a civil war like nations and nationalities against each other. I think it is It is a civil war anyway. It's The civilians are in war. But um, it will be based mainly on liberating and now getting to the point that in 1991, uh, referendums were not held for each region. And I think this is the period 30 years later in 2021 where... Uh, the people will get to decide and it's pos- it's not going to be in 2021. I can't see this ending very quickly, although the Tigray Defence Force and the Oromo Liberation Army are working together, are very close to Addis Ababa. Um, <clears throat> there is, you know, high, highly sophisticated drones circling around Addis Ababa, as I've been told. I'm not sure if it, I haven't, I haven't verified that. I was just told by somebody who knows quite a lot about it. So you can check that one out. 
Um, <clears throat> so entering Addis Ababa is going to be difficult. And these elite, these political elite at the moment in the centre of Addis Ababa are, immob- are mobilising the the youth of Addis Ababa. Again, this n- mixed Neftenia, this mixed identity group of people to... Um, enact war basically, bear arms and protect themselves and their city, which is basically just Addis Ababa and protecting Abiy Ahmed and his, you know, vision to be Menelik II. Um and not just him. There is there are there are political there's another man, Brahanu Nega, who this his Gurage, um um Gurage Addis Ababan, so Neftenia, like I said, or we mentioned their you know, their significance in history. And, um, you know, he holds this identity very deeply. He's Ethiopian, Manaman Manaman, which means blah, blah, blah in, in Amharic. So uh, what's next? There is two ways things can go. Abi can, can harden himself and continue to hold a stronghold and, you know, demand, demand that his needs are met and the liberation forces will also hold a stronghold. So at this point is liberation forces... Versus Abi Ahmed, shall Abi Ahmed is refusing. He has certain um, stipulations that he wants to come to negotiations, and I do not believe in any way, shape, or form does he deserve to sit at a negotiation table. He deserves to be arrested inside handcuffs. There is no negotiating with a man who has ensured that he has controlled the political narrative. He has controlled the political elite. He has hand-picked people to, you know, foresee his vision and has basically told them to act with impunity. They are able to do whatever they want to the locals to terrorize people on the ground, especially outside of Addis Ababa in the local areas that do try and liberate themselves and say, no, these are not the people we've elected. Uh, you know, there is no free speech. There is no free council. There is no free anything for the people of Ethiopia at this point. So a man who has overseen and foreshadowed the democratic reforms that the RMO protests were supposed to be about um, has no place for has no place for negotiations. Um, justice must be seeked. And that's the way forward. The, the, it's, if Abby doesn't surrender, basically the blood is going to keep coming and it's unfortunately it's disgusting and I think all Tigrayans will agree that they do not want this war to continue on, I think all or everybody will agree apart from these elite who are trying to salvage and, and <clears throat> re-justify their existence as Ethiopians. So it's a very horrible situation. During all of that, the economy is absolutely crashed. It is burnt. They, the burr is like nearly 60 to $1, which was, you know, at one point, 18 to $1. So it, the, the economy has ceased. Uh, shall the war continue in Afar, so, you know, which is pushing against the Ethiopian National Defence Force and the Afar militia who are supporting them? Uh, people uh, often get angry. Why is t- t- um, Tigrayans inside Afar? Well, because you guys were supporting the siege of Tigray. That's why. You are allowing the Ethiopian National Defence Force full reign to your roads and access to Tigray. You border them. I'm sorry, but if you didn't stand up for them, if you didn't stop the Ethiopian National Defence Force, you get punished too. It's not by, it's not punished by by out the force to punish. You you're stuck in the consequences because you didn't abide by your civilian duties to actually, you know, defend your lands and stop allowing the Ethiopian National Defence Force to walk straight over them. 
Um, if, if they come into your lands to stop you, that's the reality. It's really hard and it's horrible. And I'm so, so sorry that the people of Afar, the, the, you know, farmers of Afar and Amhara region are being targeted. This has happened in both Amhara and Afar region. They're not being targeted. I mean that they're being, they're being targets. Like they, how can I explain it? They're being targeted by the Ethiopian National Defense Force and they're, and they're, they're leading political elite to actually pick up arms, but they are stuck in the middle of a war that is between the Ethiopian National Defence Force, the well, the Amhara Fano Vigilante Group, Fano Fanatics, and and the Tigrayan Defence Force. And unfortunately, there is no remaining neutral at this point. That's just not a reality. You have to pick a side, and because that's what's happening now, um, you can't really remain neutral if the war is encroaching into your areas. So with the war coming into Malay, which is the part of the Afar region, I suspect the roads from Djibouti will be blocked, which then ceases more of a siege on Addis Ababa because Addis Ababa is not a farming land. Um, Oromo people have been told not to come into Addis Ababa, which means that that's fine, but the, the food flow into Addis Ababa will also stop. So if they're going to see place seizures on Tigray, I guess the seizures will start on Addis Ababa as well. So once those roads are all blocked, farmers won't be able to enter into the areas and you know sell their goods in Addis Ababa. Therefore, the Addis Ababans will finally feel this feel the pain. On top of all of this, the release of political prisoners is a must, and also the release of Tigrayans. There are thousands upon thousands. I think every diaspora who's got one or two family members in Addis Ababa will tell you that their family are absolutely terrified for their life if they haven't already been arrested and they get arrested without cause and they are not released many times unless you can pay the bail money and the bail money just you know happens to be so exorbitant that the majority of people cannot actually pay so there's Tigrayan mass arrests happening in Tigray but now also right around the region that's what happens when you put people in Governments that agree with you and what Sabi's done is ensured that that's happened and local police are now arresting Tigrayans everywhere. So the what the way forward is very hard. Um, again, there is also the option for the Liberation Fronts to, to, what is it called, put down their weapons and stop fighting and, um, and you know, hope that Abi makes good of his promises to lift the seizures. But Abiy Ahmed has never made good of any promises um, at all this thus far. So I think the the hesitance from these liberation forces and I think the the centuries of terror against this centralised government is enough for them to actually continue on with this fight. I mean, there's obviously opportunities for both people to put down their weapons. I don't see that happening anytime soon, regardless of how much the West want that to happen, because it's much easier for them to deal with one country, one one currency, one nationality. And unfortunately, that's not in the best interests of the people. So Westerners just shut the beep up and stay out of it because you haven't done what you could have done, which was airlifted and airdropped food to Tigray. Um, you haven't put sanctions on Abiy Ahmed quick enough. You have been you have been aware of what's been happening in Oromia region, Benchangul Gumez, Gambela regions, you know, Walaita regions. You, you're aware of the tyranny that Abiy has committed all over Ethiopia as well as Tigray. You've done nothing. So at this point, you don't have any right, none, absolutely no right to comment on the way forward of Tigray. 
and and how they should be doing it. These this the reality is it's up to the people on the ground, the politicians on the ground, the the defence forces on the ground on how they want to do it. And unfortunately, if Abi if you continue to be bipartisan and not call Abi Ahmed out on his rubbish you know mistakes and or rubbish policies. Um, tyranny will continue to happen because this man's not backing down at all and you know he has to be he has to be stopped uh, because he won't stop it's his dream to be the emperor and he's sitting there in Manalik's palace he doesn't want to give that up and and it's the identity dream of many it's not the identity dream it is the it is the identity of many of these Addis Ababa elite he's probably who you guys westerners are only talking to discussing Ethiopia blah 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 anyway that's that my I don't know what Alex DeWell has said, so I will read it now and see if I'm correct, if the way forward is either um, this liberation front and they form some kind of transitional government and then a federation of sorts or confederation of sorts or, in my eyes, a supranational federation, um, confederation where there is one currency and one, you know, diplomatic international passport system um, for for foreigners, um, which makes business and life a lot easier for these greedy ass capitalists in the West. Um, or if not, if Abby doesn't get overthrown, this tyranny and seizure on the people will continue. Can he follow through with democratic um, reforms? No, I don't think so. He had one party mandate and one party only. He's already he's had his chance. He's lost his chance. May the next man win. Thank you very much.